Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Good morning and welcome to the live exchange where we exchange compelling dialogue around love, politics and intellect every Thursday morning from 11 to 1 right here on the Sensation Station. I'm Dr. Pamela and today we'll be discussing stress, burnout, compassion fatigue, all of that stuff. I know we all experience it. It's the holiday season just passed us by and a lot of us were stressed about money, working extra hard. What are we going to do with the kids during the break? All of those things. But on top of that, we also have the stressors that come along with the isms, sexism, racism, ageism. These things bring stressors that we don't even think about on an everyday basis. These things bring about stressors that are so subtle that we don't even think to look at those things as possible reasons why we're experiencing the stress that we experience. We've been having a lot of conversations about sexism and how and, and sexual harassment and those things but we really haven't um, dissected it in, in, in terms of how it addresses um, or how it contributes to, to stress as well as racism there's an article that just came out that talks about how therapists don't necessarily they're not necessarily prepared for um, dealing with racism when they have African American clients we've got to talk about that so we're going to look at stress for compassion fatigue we're joined today by licensed professional counselor Dr. LaCletia is and um, we've got lots to talk about today. We're going to look at some trending topics, research to dish, and of course, my weekly balance challenge. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Light Exchange. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and uh, our guest is here joining me today in the studio. I'm going to introduce Dr. Lucretia Izzard. She is the owner of Shekinah Counseling, providing services in counseling, training, supervision, and career consulting. Dr. Izzard is a licensed counselor, licensed professional counselor, national certified counselor, approved clinical supervisor, and TRICARE mental health counselor. Dr. Izzard has over 12 years of community health and substance addiction counseling experience with diverse populations. She's also an author. She's authored Positive People Pray and Faith Inspiration Therapy to meet needs of the needs of those seeking a faith-based approach to mental and emotional healing. In, to, uh, in addition to her experience as a counselor and author, she is an affiliate professor at Ohio Christian University. Dr. Izzard obtained her doctorate degree in counselor education and supervision from Argosy University, Sarasota, and Master's of Science in Mental Health Counseling from North Carolina A&T State University. Welcome. Yes, you've kind of impressed yourself, huh? Like, wow, that's not bad. (laughs) Welcome. So, okay, so for the record, what what do you prefer to be called? I know people ask me all the time. I usually go by Dr. Izzy. 
Dr. Izzy. I like it. See, this is why we ask. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So um, I, welcome and thank you for joining us. Um, you know, I, I wanted to just start with a couple of quick definitions and, you know, and I know we're diving right into the meat of it, but there's, um, you know, we use the word stress and burnout and compassion fatigue all the time, mm -hmm. you know, but it would be good to start with some definitions of what those actually mean. Right, right, right. Well, compassion fatigue is usually the term that some individuals recognize and some individuals don't. So in a mental health field, we use it quite a bit and we use it as it relates to clients, not necessarily, but the actual staff person. So the actual counselor, the actual social worker, or whomever this professional is, is experiencing compassion fatigue related to a lack of empathy toward those individuals that they are working with. Now, compassion fatigue usually happens as a result of burnout and burnout is stress over time okay so that's kind of the differentiation if you can kind of you know get me from that aspect so well, after you've been through chronic stress over a period of time then that can turn into burnout right. and then burnout as a result can lead to compassion fatigue got it okay so i you said lack of empathy did i, did mm -hmm. I get that right? yes. so compassion fatigue comes from lack of empathy yes i thought it was a, a tremendous amount of empathy that causes somebody to that's interesting once they reach the level of compassion fatigue there is a lack of Ooh. empathy that is there at that point that's and actually that individual we would consider at that time not being in a position to be able to provide care wow okay so we're gonna delve into that a little bit more because that's that's really new mm -hmm. information for me um, but first we're gonna get into trending topics trending topics all right, so trending, um, and it's been all over social media all week, and we've had differing opinions. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been processing it for a while, and I can kind of see both sides, but this is about Monique, comedian. So Monique, legendary comedian, actress, and Academy Award winning winner, is calling out Netflix for allegedly offering her $500,000 for a stand-up comedy special while offering millions to Amy Schumer, Dave Chappelle, and Chris Rock. Um, in a tweet, Monique called for a boycott of Netflix on the rounds of color and gender bias. And so the question that people have been really grappling with is, um, you know, does she make a valid point, you know, or is she just kind of calling attention to herself unjustifiably, you know? So, you know, and see. Yeah, and, and so I my first impression, you know, the first time I saw the post, it's interesting how the way that a post is spun, right, you know, kind of dictates how people respond to it. You know, so I have seen posts that have said that, you know, in favor of her, you know, this is, you know, I don't care if you guys like her or not, this is an issue of sexism in Hollywood that just needs to be addressed. And people are like, Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. And then I hear the other side of who is she talking about? She's not anywhere near those other comedians. She need to go sit down somewhere. And then everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so we have mob appeal kind of going gotcha, on. Gotcha. But there are definitely two different sides to the argument. And um, and I I where I fall on this is I I do think that there is definitely a sexism, racism, colorism issue that's happening in Hollywood. Gotcha. That can't be denied. But the other piece of of it is whether or not I question whether or not her tactics are 
going to be fruitful, the, mm. the, her approach, because mm. she has been renowned for burning bridges. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey, Lee Daniels, mm -hmm. Tyler Perry, now Netflix. Mm -hmm. I don't know that burning bridges is going to be the way to do it, but um, I think that she has um, some valid points um, from the larger standpoint. So, all right. So that that's what's trending. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and joining me today is Dr. Izzy, and we are talking about stress, passion fatigue. I can tone it down a little bit. We can feel the relaxation. Yes, feel it. And <laughs> the burnout. If you're feeling burnout right now, just sit with yourself. Take some deep breaths. And then exhale. Yes. Oh, I'm loving this music. Love it. Love <laughs> so appropriate it. right now. <laughs> so we are talking about burnout, compassion, fatigue, and stress. And, and right before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, what's going on with Monique and um, and just the way that um, she has expressed her frustration and disdain over Netflix and and reaching out to her for to only only to offer five hundred thousand um, dollars for her. You know, yeah. What kind of things have you heard in these conversations? Is, only her just a little, like you said, kind of looking at her history overall and having issues in the industry with these major individuals who yeah. we would think could assist her mm -hmm. in becoming even more successful. So pretty much like you said, just the overall pattern right. and wondering if this is maybe just another part of that yeah. pattern. Right. So from, okay, counselor I was going to ask you from a counselor standpoint, <laughs> and there it is, the patterns, what are the patterns? Because <laughs> that was my next question, you know, from a counselor standpoint. If, if she was sitting in your chair, which is probably not the easiest question to ask because there's right. all kinds of other things that you'd need to know. Um, but if somebody with that personality type yeah, sitting right. in your chair, um, what kinds of things, you know, would come off as a red flag? And, and, and not to say that there aren't some valid points, they sexism, racism, mm -hmm. valid points. How do you address somebody with that kind of personality on the backdrop of dealing with racism and sexism at the same time. Right. And again, from the, that counselor's standpoint, again, we want to always still keep the focus on that individual. Because many true. times what we find is individuals will drift off and want to play the blame game mm -hmm. and talk a lot about what's been done to them. Right. Or they may have a victim-based mentality. Mm -hmm. And so when you recognize things like that, you keep the focus on them. You talk talk about their specific behaviors, right. and then you talk about, well, how are you addressing, how are you responding mm -hmm. to these things that have happened to you, and then how have you responded over time, right. and then what has been the payoff, or what has been the benefit that to a you? Good question. So, What has been the payoff <laughs> in mm -hmm. strategies that you repeat? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a good question. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people have been turned off to, to to the message, right. they've missed the entire message because they um, are so distracted by the approach and by the patterns, as you mm -hmm. say, um, that have not really yielded positive results. Indeed. So, yeah. Indeed. So, great. I, I love it. Great observation. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to pick my brain today. <laughs> I know. I love it. I get to pick brains. I don't have to think so much. It's wonderful. <laughs> So one of the things that you said early on um, when, when you defined compassion mm -hmm. fatigue and, and, you know, 
and if you wouldn't mind just giving us a, an overview of what that is again, you also okay. mentioned how that leads to a lack of empathy, which yes. I have to admit that was surprising to me. I thought, mm -hmm. wow, you know, I, I only associated it with the beginning part where you're right. just kind of compelled with their mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. um, but I would love to hear about how that cycles into. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a, a great example of that, uh, I had a colleague who had been in the mental health field for quite some time, mental health and uh, substance abuse, was doing pretty well in that field and just got to a place of high levels of stress. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can get to a place of high levels of stress because we just don't know how to cope with stress. Mm -hmm. And even as a licensed counselor, we can be taught these skills and these techniques, but many times when we're so focused on healing and we're so focused on helping other people, we tend to forget about ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so what happened to that individual? She was not taking good care of herself over time. And so then she started to experience signs and symptoms of burnout, which of course can be physical symptoms, headache, uh, even irritable bowel syndrome, different things like that of that nature. We're come back to that. Yes. <laughs> back and forth, in and out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so she already had reached burnout and then she fell on into compassion fatigue. And so one of the examples that I use this in all of my trainings, and you can laugh when I say it because it is funny, <laughs> but it's also serious on the other hand. Mm -hmm. So um, we were in the office one day and we were all just talking and this is an area that's secluded, but it's also an area where clients come back to. And so they're usually somewhere lurking around in that area. Okay. And so she was so stressed this particular day that she just yelled out in the office, why do I always get all of the cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Oh. You know, what is really going on? What is really, I don't want any more cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Wow. And this is a licensed professional counselor who had been in the field for a while, loved what she was doing, but as a result of stress burnout, she ended up falling over into compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, she was at a level where she could not assist or help anyone. And she was not at a level of having empathy for anyone at that particular time. That makes so, sense. So fatigue from being compassionate. You can't be compassionate anymore. It's gone. It's, yeah, that it's makes gone. sense. That makes total sense. Indeed. And so I remember seeing this in her and wanted to kind of just step out and talk to her. And when I did, she was just heartbroken, just wow. tears all over the place. Wow. That is good. Okay. Not good, but you know what I'm saying. The information is good. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the live exchange. about um, compassion fatigue and you know one of the things that you know she gave an example of one of her um, colleagues were you know that kind of experienced that but uh, two questions um, you know first of all how do you know how do you know before anybody else sits you down that you're getting to that point and then what do you do you know when you get there well I think the major thing that we have to consider is looking at those signs mm-hmm 
the signs are always there. And so if you know that you're having signs of stress, you know, number one, some of the physical signs related to stress are, you know, just pretty much exhaustion, mm -hmm. you know, very, very tired. Uh, you know that you're working nonstop. You're not really getting any rest. And so these are some of the first cues that we need to start picking up on. Right. And so, of course, if that's going on over time, you're going to have some issues related to your physical health more than likely. So that's another sign. Yes. And then you're going to have some issues related to emotional as well as, you know, how are you coping emotionally with things such as people become very irritable. Mm -hmm. People sometimes displace their anger. They become very snappy. Yeah. So different things like that are, are cues, signs for us to pick up on that we're stressed. But it seems like by the time you get to that point, you're already kind of a hot mess. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I mean, so how do you get to... How do you prevent yourself from getting, from getting that to that place? Down? And how we prevent ourselves is taking care of ourselves. Yeah. You know, self-care. Yeah. So eating yes. healthy, exercising, right. uh, making sure that we're taking time to build ourselves up. So inspiring ourselves, whether that's through positive reading, mm -hmm. whether that's going to certain seminars, certain symposiums, yeah. uh, people who are faith-based, attending church, Bible study, different things like that. Mm -hmm. Keeping yourself uplifted and keeping yourself in a good positive space right. and so doing those things on a daily basis can keep you from getting to that place That's of right. experiencing those signs of stress which then will eventually can lead to burnout and then the compassion fatigue piece okay. so self-care right a lot right, of self-care right. every day <laughs> yes every day yes do not cease um one of the things that um that comes to mind is that com compassion fatigue I would think mm -hmm. isn't just something that impacts helping professionals right um, and so one of the things I'd like to talk about we're gonna go into the research first but one of the things I'd like to talk about is how it can impact us just on an everyday basis living our lives not um, serving people professionally but mm -hmm. just our families our friends everyday right. situations that we deal with um, but first we're gonna go into the research in the interest of science Research today um, is is looking, it's based on an article that I've seen kind of floating around Facebook. Um, it was um, published in ThinkProgress.org. And by the way, um, this research is brought to you by Red Door Consulting. Red Door Consulting is a boutique management firm that prides itself as an innovative leader in image consulting and image development. So if you want to rework your image at all, <laughs> or if you want to, you know, whatever you want to do with your image, co contact uh, Tarshis Jordan from. Red Door Consulting. She will help upgrade you and your business um, today. So go to Red Door Consulting, the number eight.com. Red Door Consulting 8.com. This is also brought to you by um, BBLA Cosmetics, who kind of are responsible for the look on my face today. <laughs> Thank you, BBLA. You guys always hook me up. Um, so the research is looking at um, African Americans. Black Americans suffer from most suffer most from racial trauma, but few counselors are trained to treat it. Um, very interesting study.
study um, that comes out of the Aub Auburn University at Montgomery by Carrie Hemmings. And, um, and basically, um, this was published in the Journal of Multicultural Counseling and Development, and she found that the majority of counselors in the United States are not prepared to identify and treat race-based trauma, which often results from racial harassment, discrimination, violence, um, I would add microaggressions. Um, and, and in addition to this lack of preparation, the study highlighted existing research pointing to a general shortage of professional training opportunities for understanding and treating race-based trauma. Hmm. Sounds like a, an opportunity to develop some CEU courses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> huh. <laughs> now, when I listened to you reviewing that research, I can. I think I understand where they're coming from as it relates to, like you said, the piece of the continuing ed piece, right? And maybe not having a specific course that's identified to that. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely not say that we're not trying to address it. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because we are really focused on multiculturalism and being competent mm -hmm. as it relates to de dealing with the diverse population. Would you say, as a field, you are, or are there individuals who specialize in that? particular we do areas. have individuals that specialize in it but as a field they do push multiculturalism and diversity a lot wow. and I am a member and sit on the executive board for the American Counseling Association mm -hmm. uh, here in the state of Georgia and so I know that that is something that we're even working towards and we talk a lot about making sure that individuals are understanding diverse populations and what we can do mm -hmm. to better gain knowledge learn more skills to address these different types of issues, even more issues that we're seeing coming up even now in our society. Yeah, and, and they are coming to the surface, yes. you know, more so than in the past. Yes. Well, so just to give you an idea of how the study was conducted, of the 106 counselors surveyed in the study, 75 reported that they had worked with clients who experienced some form of race-based trauma. Mm -hmm. Only 35% of participants said that they had received training to identify race-based trauma, and 20% reported that, or, uh, yeah, and 20, not 20%, 20 reported that they had received race-based trauma. So I think this study, and as many studies do, specifically focus on one area. one area. So while there may be multiculturalism, what this study is saying now, it is 106 counselors. Right. Um, they are saying specifically dealing with race-based trauma, gotcha. which, you know, it is a specialized area. Mm -hmm. But I think the um, argument that this article is making, which I'll, I'll just say here, um, is that African Americans endure more mental problems as a result of overt racism, discrimination, and microaggressions, um, which are subtle degradations of marginalized people. And so, um, I think they're calling for let's have let's let's add this to the see specific yeah let's see more of it. Yeah, let's see more of area. It. Yeah, um, because it's something that has been um, such a a problem over the. I mean over the years. I don't know, since the beginning of the yeah, country. Well, <laughs> it's been a problem. Yeah. And uh, like you said, it's more so now, I think, recently yeah, being focused over. on a little bit more. I teach diversity in counseling as well, and that is an area that we did discuss about, which is microaggressions. Yeah. And African-American males actually yeah. receive more microaggressions than any other population, so any other minority population. Well, well we're going to go to a break, and what I would love to talk about is how how um, you know race-based trauma impacts our lives, our love, our self, mm. how we perceive ourselves, um, and self identity. So we're gonna, yes, so we're gonna dig into that a little bit when we come back. Stay with us on the Life Exchange. <laughs>
back to the live exchange. They don't have any music singing. You and I, too. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is Dr. Pamela, joined by Dr. Izzy, who is a licensed professional counselor. And um, we're talking about passion. Uh, passion. Compassion, fatigue, burnout, and stress. So one of the things that we were just looking at is a study that um, says, and let's be, and I, and I agree, we need to be really specific about what we're talking about because we're not saying that counselors aren't getting multicultural training and, training and diversity training. This article actually pinpoints one particular area of that, which is a really important area of race-based trauma and how race-based trauma impacts African Americans. Um, and, and it's focused on African Americans because the study found that the, it is this is the most um, impacted um, culture in America with regards to racism. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that I have is looking at and I'm and this is just my anecdotal observation, mm -hmm. but it just seems that um, racial trauma, race-based trauma would have an impact on areas of our lives like our self-perception, right. how we see ourselves, um, our relationships, and it could be our intimate relationships, it could be our intimate or our relationships with our mother, our family, Correct. siblings, um, and then as well as just how we go about our lives, how we um, navigate our lives on an everyday basis, you know, when we're driving, when we're at work. Mm -hmm. um, so can you talk a little bit about how race-based drama, trauma <laughs> impacts us in those different areas? Correct, correct. Yes, and I, I know exactly what you're speaking about, Dr. Pamela. I was at a actual counseling conference last year, and there was a continuing it on microaggressions mm -hmm. with African-American males. And it was amazing because the exercise that he did, he had each African-American male to write down at least two microaggressions that they can recall that they've constantly heard over their lifetime. Mm -hmm. And he allowed them to stand at the front of the room and he allowed the others to go by and walk and look at these actual mm -hmm. comments that they wrote. Wow, that's powerful. And some of the comments were so devastating to me, but I could tell just looking at some of those comments that those were things that they had internalized. And when we internalize things, of course, it impacts our relationships, it impacts our self-esteem, yes. it impacts how we look at life, it impacts our worldview. Right. And so for African-American males, it really caused some serious issues in causing them to have some setbacks in some wow. different areas in their life. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more, more about worldview when you get back. Because, I mean, if you imagine putting glasses over your eyes and how that impacts your worldview, that's pretty much what this is. So stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, joined by Dr. Izzy, who is giving us some insights on um, the impact, really, of microaggressions. And, you know, you were talking about a, a particular situation where black men were asked to speak about their microaggressions. Um, let's back up just a couple of steps to tell people who may not know what microaggressions are. Microaggressions are comments that are usually made by individuals of a different race to a minority race, usually that are not necessarily 
nice, yeah, and not necessarily nice comments. Now, whether or not they may perceive them as compliments mm -hmm. or nice comments, they're more of attacking base or more of demeaning yeah. type comments that are made. And and they mm -hmm. and they really are comments or even gestures, gestures that. Yeah basically say you're you're different than mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. the regular person yeah. you know um, and that in itself is a you mm -hmm. know a, a problematic line of thinking but um, and, and I like that you pointed out that it could be something where somebody thinks it's a compliment but mm -hmm. it's you know you speak so well mm -hmm. why are you surprised that I speak so well wow. microaggression exactly. you know and um, and as I said during the break it's not one of those things you can go to your boss and say well you know such-and-such that such I speak well and I, I feel Microaggressed, you know they're not, you know nine times out of ten, they're not they're not going to get it. So, so what you were saying earlier about how you know so using the example of black men, mm -hmm. um, you know dealing with microaggressions in the workplace mm -hmm. and different places, and you said it comes out, it, it impacts relationships. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hearing and listening to microaggressions over time, I do think that that individual, that specific black male, will internalize that. Mm -hmm. And once they internalize it, it becomes somewhat a part of their identity, okay. who they are. And so it's then going to come out in their relationships. It's going to come out in their anger. It's going to come out in their aggression. It's just going to come out in how they see the world right. as a whole, which is their world view. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. So just before the break, you were talking about the different ways that um, that uh, microaggressions can impact. Um, and we were talking specifically about black males, but this is going to apply also Anyone. to yeah anybody who's dealing with microaggressions. Um, and, you know, so I definitely can understand it from, you know, a woman's point of view of yes. how... Uh, you know, uh, we internalize those things, and and we have to be very careful about. It. I mean, we if we can't control how it comes out if we don't even know it's there, and we don't know that impact. You know, That's happens. Right. One Thank of the, the other interesting points that came out of this article is that not only are people of people are not only are people of color disproportionately affected by race-based trauma, they rarely seek counseling. Hmm. Um, is that is that accurate from your standpoint? Well, and again, I can pretty much understand the research from that standpoint, just looking at African-American culture as a whole. There is still some stigma there that is related to mental health treatment and to therapy. I think we've come a long way and we're, come, and we're yeah. doing much better with it. But again, with certain issues, I think there's still some stigma. So definitely looking at racism, mm -hmm. looking at microaggressions, I do think that that would still be an area that our culture probably would be hesitant right. about receiving treatment. And again, that could possibly be that they may get connected with a therapist that they may think may not understand it. Right. And that's important. You know, those, that, that relationship is going to be key and, and those in-person impressions. Um, Fullwood, Fullwood Jr. is saying here, um, he's following us on Facebook Live, and he says even in church we have preachers who tell the congregation to seek Jesus instead of therapy yeah. when um, um, somebody can actually do both. They can mm -hmm. seek Jesus and therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and then he adds, we tend to have a negative view of therapy in our community. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, again, I think that's something we're working on mm -hmm. as a culture in and in the black church. Yeah. Uh, there are many churches here in Atlanta who are incorporating now support groups who uh, celebrate recovery. You know, all of these different things now to push, mm -hmm. focusing on getting some type of therapy, some type of treatment. But then again, you may have some individuals that would focus on just receiving that support from the black church and right. then not seeking the professional help. But I think we are trying to move toward that, even though it's still been some hesitancy there. Yeah, and, and I know of some mm -hmm. churches that have incorporated therapists in the church mm -hmm. so that they have both that spiritual, yes. you're, you're, you know, you have both of those yes. um, aspects. Um, and, and I think it's helpful because, you know, we th there was a video going viral again um, with a black woman in church at testimony service, and mm -hmm. she was talking about how she did all these things on the street and just engaged in mm -hmm. prostitution. And it turned into this this laughing mm. thing, and um, I had a hard time laughing at it, but I did right. see a, a conversation in black therapists, the black therapist group on, on Facebook. Mm. If you're a therapist, you might want to get a part of that. Yeah. And, and somebody brought up a really good conversation that I think that this is a case where this woman could have been connected with a therapist in the church. That's right. And, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't know what happened after that particular exactly. episode. Exactly. So, um, but we're, we're, we have to... Um, what are we on the balance challenge? I, I, I saw the, the, the cue, but I don't remember what it was. So, yes, it's the balance challenge. Keeping your balance with Dr. Pamela. Dr. Pamela. Dr. Pamela. All right. So this week's balance challenge is I, um, I want you guys... This is one of the things I wrote about in my book, um, and, and we got to talk about Dr. Izzy's book as well. Um, my book is Letters to the Brokenhearted, and one of the things that I want people to learn how to do as they come out of relationships and start to rebuild their lives, and this is what I had suggested, but I now suggest this for everybody, um, to be able to say yes to the things that you want and no to the things that you don't want. Right. Love <laughs> Use it. Use that voice, and I want you this week to make it a, a a particular, um, like, intentional thing mm -hmm. to say yes to what you want. If somebody asks you to do something and you kind of want to do it, but you feel a little guilty because, mm -hmm. well, you know, I got to take care of the kids, say yes and figure out the kids. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to say yes to yourself this week. And just, you may not be able to do it all the time, but make it a point to do it this week just so you can get used to or, or experience what it feels like to say yes to what you want. Right. And then to say no to what you don't want. Mm. No, I'm good. <laughs> boundary setting yes. is what we call it. Yes, mm -hmm. boundary setting. So mm -hmm. that's my challenge for you this week. I want you to say yes to what you want and no to what you don't want. Sounds easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why do people struggle with that? Ooh, boundaries is something that many people struggle with. And I think it's because we don't have a foundation many times, of course, in being reared as a child. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn about boundaries until I was in my master's program. Yeah, wow. And so many people just don't understand that personal boundaries are so significant mm -hmm. because they help to protect them, yes. but they also help them to achieve mm -hmm. and to go further in life. Absolutely. And so definitely, if you are not aware of what personal boundaries are, definitely research it and consider seeking out a professional that can teach you how to apply personal boundaries. And I've done that 
this with my professional life. So mm-hmm. I have learned to now. So here's the thing: when you work a job, mm-hmm. you you have to do tasks. Mm-hmm. You have responsibilities that you oh, have to do, yeah. right? So in any instant that I'm able to choose those responsibilities that I actually enjoy, right. that reflect my strengths that I'm really good at, I choose those. Right. And any and, and when I choose those, it makes it easier to say no to the other things because I'm like, I, I already got this going on. So and That's what I got it. going on is what I enjoy Joy doing. So it's really important to be able to pay attention to what works for you and what doesn't mm-hmm. to try to go in the direction. Because when you don't, you do become overwhelmed. Yes. And when you come become overwhelmed, then here comes the stress. Yes. And here comes the burnout. Yep. And then there comes compassion fatigue. <gasps> so again, it's a pattern. Right. So start with boundaries and self care. Mm-hmm. And that's what will help to prevent getting from the, to the stress and all of those other things that follow. That's really good. And and mm-hmm. we're so we're going to get into self-care, but I have another one last question that I want to ask about um kind of related to the study about um trauma right. and dealing with and but bringing in the compassion fatigue part mm-hmm. of that conversation um with regards to race-based trauma. I'm wondering if as um you know, so we are a collective of different identities that come together into one community. Mm-hmm. So we have women, black women, we have black men, we have, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, the, then we have economic levels. And, and so right. every group gets to point at another group and say, well, they don't have it as bad as I do. They don't have it. So, you know, we, we, we tend to do that to each other mm-hmm. and it's getting really bad. And, and the question I'm going to put on the table before we go to break is have we developed. So think about that. Chew on it. We're going to talk about it when we come back. All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. So so right before the break, I posed the question about whether or not we have develop compassion fatigue as it pertains to dealing with each other so and and it and i don't even necessarily mean within the black community because when we have hashtag me too and then you have a whole bunch of people saying well not as bad as me you know or when we have black lives matter and we have the response well white lives matter too you know we have forgotten or i don't even know if we ever knew but we certainly don't we we lack empathy for each other so I don't know. I, I just wonder is haters even, you know, in that environment. So I think it's something that we need to start talking more about. Yeah. And what ways that we can support one another mm-hmm. and continue to support one another and understanding that no one is out to take more from you. Right. Or no one is necessarily more discriminized mm-hmm. against and even if they are, does that mean that one uh, culture or whatever is is better than any other or right. should have more than any other. So these are some topics I think that we definitely need to have a conversation about and start speaking more about because it's definitely something that we witness on a daily basis. I mean, based on your definition of compassion Mm -hmm. fatigue, you get to the point of burnout and exhaustion to the point where you can no longer have empathy for the other Mm -hmm. person's experience. And and I just, that's just pervasive in our culture right now. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we have uh, love notes. With Dr. All right, so um, today's love note is coming up. <laughs> and well, I, I know what it says. I, I don't have, have the verbatim letter is not in front of me, but basically, um, it is a letter asking about how to. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Dear Dr. Pamela, 
It sounds great to say that uh, to say set bounds. You just said this. Set, set boundaries and take time to myself. But the reality of my life is that I have kids and people who depend on me. It is just not feasible for my life. It is actually frustrating when people talk to me about time and stay about me time and staycations. That's just not realistic for me, Corinne. <laughs> that is definitely a. A hard task sometimes to balance, mm -hmm. but I do think that it can be done. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you have to take off <laughs> and leave the children. Uh, if you remember, I spoke earlier about inspiration, reading mm -hmm. inspirational things, taking, uh -huh, mm -hmm. taking care of your faith, um, exercise, yes. uh, different things that can benefit you to help you to understand more about boundary setting and how important boundary setting is. We know that responsibilities to children, responsibilities to a spouse is a lot. Mm -hmm. But again, if you do not take care of yourself, you will never be able to effectively take care of anyone else. I think people fool themselves into thinking that they are effectively taking care of other people yeah. because they are Definitely. day to day to day, just living day to day mm -hmm. and, and making it work. Making it work is different than actually you know thriving and, gotcha. and doing you know and I always use this example in a lot of my trainings too as well I had an amazing amazing maternal grandmother may she rest in peace but all of my grandmother's life she took care of other people mm -hmm. she raised her siblings she raised her seven children she went around and adopted other people's children wow. uh, she was actively involved in her church and in her community and as a result my grandmother's health suffered mm. and she left us at the age of 68 years wow, old wow. and that comes from not setting boundaries and taking care of self wow okay stay with us we'll be right back Exchange, my, 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 we are, yes, 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 we are getting um, a lot of ground covered in, um, well, let me tell you what we're talking about. We're talking about stress, burnout, and compassion fatigue, and I'm joined by um, Dr. Izzy, who is also an author of two books. Can you tell me what are those titles again? I sure can. One is Faith Inspiration Therapy, and the other is Faith Inspiration Coping Tools. The first helps counselors to effectively work with their clients using a cognitive behavioral therapy and faith-based integration treatment approach. Great. And the other is a self-application book where clients and other individuals, they can use these techniques for themselves okay. right at home. Nice. And so it uses a cognitive behavioral therapy base, but I also integrate it with biblical principle and biblical scripture mm -hmm. to help build that individual that has that strong faith foundation as well. Because mm -hmm. again, we talked about before about our culture, African-American culture, and how many of them may veer mm -hmm. from therapy because the faith-based piece is left out. Yes. or may not be seen as important. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that we had a treatment approach just for us. I love it. I love it. That's great. So, yeah, and your books are available on Amazon. There you go. Check her out on Amazon. So I, I one of the things that I had mentioned in the last um, session, um, I just it just occurred to me when she defined 
compassion fatigue. And I said, well, you know, I wonder if that's part of what we're seeing in society with all of these dichotomous groups saying, well, you know, me too. Well, mm -hmm. me too in a different way or right. black lives matter. No black lives, you know, don't matter. Our lives, you know, um, Fullwood had an interesting response to that. Um, he says, I think calling it compassion fatigue is being nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I don't know that I can disagree with that. Um, some of us are selfish, selfish. Some of us are poor at being empathetic. And some of us yeah. are still subconsciously or still subconsciously buy into ideas and philosophies of white supremacy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. and I agree. I mean, that can't be. We certainly can't, can't deny. blame it all on yeah, that. Yeah, right. we can't deny that. And, and I think that, you know, another conversation that I saw happening in Black Therapist Rock was whether or not we want to pathologize racism mm. and, you know, give it, you know, put it in the DSM mm -hmm. as something. That, and a lot of them said, and I agree, you know, said no, because it is not, it is a learned behavior. It and it's not something that you know, um, they're learned, like you said, yeah. learned behavior. Right. And, and, and so, it, you, you can look at all the research and look at the studies yeah. and know that it is learned. And many times it just starts at such a very young age. Yes. So I, yes. Internalized. So from that standpoint, I completely agree with, okay, we don't want to just say, oh, it's compassion fatigue, but I do, it, it, it there just seems to be some, yeah similarities between the behaviors and and I, but I do think that in the cases in which racism is is an underlying factor you know that right. definitely cannot be denied right. you know so I think it's excellent and point. it's just something that would need to be addressed yeah. something that that person would need to become aware of right. such as when we were talking about the microaggressions before mm -hmm. some men black men don't even know that the microaggressions have affected them to that level right but when you hear them speak or when you hear them respond about certain mm -hmm. things then you could hear the microaggressions within their conversations right right and mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily the way that they're responding to it isn't because their dad said well you need to respond this way it, mm -hmm. it, it's it, I don't know it's just kind of, it's it's the impact of exactly being marginalized and being that internalization constantly questioned yeah mm -hmm. um, one of the things I wanted to get back to is the question from Corinne who was saying that she you know it's all well and good that you all are saying you know, to about the boundaries. Yeah, find boundaries and have me time and, and this and that. But I, you know, and I hear this all the time. You know, I, I, I just can't. So I don't know. You know, and she actually said um, it's frustrating when people talk to her about mm -hmm. taking time and mm -hmm. taking sta staycations. Um, and so you, you gave some ideas, some, you know, things that she could do without having to necessarily disrupt her schedule. Her routine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so I want to talk a little bit more about self-care when we come back. So um, yes. stay with us. We'll be right back. Self-care stuff, <laughs> compassion fatigue and all of that. And um, I really wanted to help Corinne and other people like Corinne who are saying, yeah, 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 it's all fine and good, but I, I got a busy life, you know. And I've heard people say, you know, I just got to suck it up to the kids are 18 and mm. just, you know. And so, so the story that comes to mind is what you said about your grandmother right. who dedicated her whole life to... Taking care of others. Yes. And, and when she passed, it, mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if people associated it with that or if you know she was she was it, a good person 
It took a little while, yeah. but uh, my family now is definitely aware of that. My grandmother's funeral was so large mm -hmm. that individuals were on the outside wow. of the funeral. So that's just how many people she did impact mm -hmm. in her short lifespan. Wow. But again, that self-care piece is so critical because as a result, she had several health-related issues. Right. So going back to the comment that the young lady stated about just not having time, then taking baby steps. And baby steps can simply be changing the diet for you and your family. Mm -hmm. Healthy eating so that yes. you can build your immune system because our immune system fights for us. Right. And so individuals now are understanding that a plant-based diet is more effective in helping us just to deal with life as a whole. Mm -hmm. Given us more energy and so I like to say this little term in my trainings greens beans berries and seeds mm. greens beans berries and seeds wow. because these are those foods that increase and build up our immune system and they need to be a part of our daily diet every day you need to include greens beans berries and seeds oh. so you can start there I hear a children's book coming out of that <laughs> <laughs> I know so I mean you can take baby steps and start there and uh -huh. as it relates to exercise you may not be able to get out to the gym mm -hmm. but you can do a 20-minute video Get on the mat, get on the floor, you know, do a few dance jumping jacks. Yeah, yeah, dance with the kids. Find creative ways yeah. to just live a more healthy life. I think that's the key right there is creativity. Yes. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, one of the things that um, the coaching academy that we have when we founded it, mm -hmm. we talked about um, connecting creativity or, well, the connection between creativity and intelligence. Right. And that creativity fuels and enhances intelligence. And the more intelligent gotcha. we are, the more creative we're able to be with you know exactly. and so that's why we see these these geniuses that are you know that are right. out there the the the, the yes and so i think create try there are there are creative ways there to are it. ways it's to worth do it. it it's so worth it you know so worth it because yeah. you're looking at your lifespan you're looking at long life and you were talking about creativity and many times creativity don't come out of individuals because they're not thinking clearly yes so mm. keeping the kids on a schedule too that they're going to bed at a certain time at night so then you have that quiet time right so that you can start to develop your thinking Oh, that's the area I'm not. I'm not so good in. <laughs> oh, I struggle with that. You know, getting okay. to bed on time. But mm -hmm. yes, no, that is because when it does happen, it's like, oh, quiet. You know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, that's a good one. Yes. So we're gonna get into um, trending topics. Primary election. Lack of diversity. Gas prices. Michael Jackson. Trending topics. It's, okay, so trending. We've got you know a couple of things, but one thing that I wanted to bring up because this particular comedian is based here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, comic Steve Brown um, was a heckled Sunday night at a comedy club because a disgruntled fan seemed to be um, gunning to kill him. Um, so this is this is coming from TMZ. Um, but you know he was doing a set at the comedy club, and a guy didn't like what he had to say, and he jumped on the stage and basically tried, took the mic stand and tried to hit him wow. with it. And he actually, um, you know, he ducked out of the way. Um, and then a few people of the, of the club, you know, subdued the guy um, who was taken outside. Um, and so it's just, you know, what is that? You know what exactly. I mean, I mean uh, you go to a comedy club you and you have to know that there are going mm. to be some things that are said that you may not like. Right. But what makes a person go from I'm watching a comedy club to I'm on stage with the mic stand and I'm swinging it at you? 
Again, I think it goes back to some of the things we were talking about before. Um, what has this individual internalized? Mm -hmm. What is this individual's worldview? Yeah. And then again, lack of coping skills. Right. Because many of us are going to be offended from time to time in our life, and we're going to hear things that don't make us happy. But do we become violent? Do we become aggressive? Yeah. So again, it goes back to what's been internalized and what's been taught to this individual to deal with life. Yeah life yeah mm -hmm. and and i don't life know what was up. said and let's just say what was said was just absolutely heinous and it was directly to him and it was about his mama <laughs> and like and it no was reason. truth you know there's still Yes. Not that still doesn't warrant violence. That kind is of not response. the answer. Yeah. And again, we so, just had ML, MLK Day. Yeah, you know, what yeah. we focused on then still hopefully talking about nonviolence. Yeah. But again, they even spoke about at that service or that ceremony that we're still pretty much in the same place we were when he was living. Yeah. It's so many things that we are still trying to address to this day. Absolutely. So. It's um, it's funny because I, I recently heard a, a woman say that um, racism didn't become a problem until President Obama was brought into office. No. And so, <laughs> so it's, you know, so there's this, this perpetual denial yes. that, that happens. And, um, and, and, and speaking of denial, you know, those are microaggressions. Exactly. Um, and that and was. there was there's another video going around on social media with um, it's a British news um, show and and there is a woman who is I think she talks about being of mixed race but she's definitely got some black in her mm -hmm. um, and the rest of the panel is white and they and she says you know I deal with this on a daily basis on microaggressions and and they're like it's all in your head <laughs> and you know that stuff is over with and oh and, and one statement was if they didn't mean it to be racist it's not racist you know, and so it's that denial of one's yes. experience that I think adds to the stress and the daily yes. burden of you've got life, but now let me put these weights on your shoulders. You can deal with this too. So on then top it's, of that. it's where, where is the awareness? Right. Where's the awareness? And I remember when I was in that microaggression training, it was more African Americans than it was Caucasian Americans. And the speaker, he was biracial, you know. Well, we're going to have to cut you off and go to okay. break. <laughs> we'll be That's right fine. back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, we were talking about um, just really you know, how the impact of continuous microaggressions and when our experiences are you know denied. Right, right. And uh, yeah, I was just saying before we went to break that this individual who's doing this training, he was stating how um, the lack of awareness and some individuals just ignoring the fact that microaggression still exists. Mm -hmm. And so it was more African Americans in this particular training than it was Caucasian Americans. Yeah. And his, you know, communication to the Caucasian Americans was not that we necessarily expect you to sympathize, you know, but we do expect you to be empathic. But understanding that this is something that has happened over many, many years mm -hmm. and it's something that is continuing to happen and stand up yeah. and say something about it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's, we, I think many of us can appreciate, you know, that it's that's very it. minimum just to listen, that's it. you know, to hear it out. And, and so I see this happening with a lot of different, there's a community of black males who, who want to speak out on, on how they are experiencing, have experienced sexual assault and mm. abuse, even Absolutely. from, from 
black women, you know, and, right, and right. when we hear about that, we mm -hmm. laugh and we think, ah, oh, mm. you're punk or this and that. that and very so true. I think we minimize people's experience more than, yeah. you know, than we may realize. Um, I would agree. Yeah. So um, the other thing about the, the whole, it's the one thing I have to dispel here, and I, I talked about this on my live post before we got here. <laughs> um, a lot of people, so I, I got sick. A couple weeks ago, uh, um, I got bronchitis, and mm -hmm. I never get sick, ever, mm -hmm. ever, ever. Um, and so this one particular time I got sick, and you know when you get sick, everybody becomes a doctor, and everybody has a remedy, and everybody has a cause. And so, you know, a lot of people, you know, some people were in my inbox like, well, you know, it's because you work so much, mm -hmm. you know. And, <laughs> and I always, you know, can't help but laugh at that, you know. And well, it's like, well, you know, I have a job. And <laughs> yeah, you do. And the job, you know, you, some, but, but sometimes people, just get sick because they get sick, get sick mm -hmm. because they touch something that mm -hmm. somebody else touched and rubbed the eyes right. on it and bam you got the virus That's or the right. what a bacteria right. whatever it is so um so i you know i i just it i got so many messages about how you slow know down. you just need to slow down you need to slow down mm -hmm. and i just thought y'all have no if y'all knew what my life my is life. really like behind the scenes <laughs> yeah how flexible my life is and how i get to you know work do maybe three hours today do. you mm -hmm. do yeah Y'all would be hating on me. So that's why I try to, you know, I keep it quiet. You're supposed but to. But work-life balance for me <laughs> is amazing. Is amazing. Is and amazing. it's so needed. Yeah. If I if I want to take a trip, I take a trip. Me if too. I want to take a week off, I take a week off. I do yeah. what I need to do. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're going to get into the research, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about that because I'm hoping that I'm not giving all my secrets now, mm -mm. but I'm hoping that, that maybe I can help some of y'all out with, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll help them out too a yeah, little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yes, please do. So let's say we're going to get into the research. In the interest of All right, so the research is brought to you by BBLA Cosmetics. That is Breathe Beauty LA. They are the cosmetic company that is responsible by about four. <laughs> responsible for the look on my face. A little tongue-tied today. Also brought to you by Right Pitch Publish. It is the innovative writers conference where you can meet literary agents, get your manuscripts reviewed, learn from experts. It's coming April 7th to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Go to www.writepitchpublish.com for details. Check it out. It is a conference you don't want to miss. I'm talking about literary agents flying into New York just to read your manuscript. You miss out on that. You, you kind of crazy if you're writer <laughs> all right so this this study is um it or or this information comes from the cdc and um I, you know this is um it's it's fairly new to me in the last i don't know four or five months but i'm very intrigued by this topic now that i know about it and it's the aces um adverse childhood experiences uh -huh. um and one i i saw a ted talk um and I, gosh I, her name is escaping me right now but that's what kind of turned me on to this whole concept of of ACEs and how adverse childhood experiences can impact our adulthood and our livelihood and yes. our health. So childhood experiences, both positive and negative, have a tremendous impact on future uh, violence, victimization, and perpetuation. 
lifelong um, health and opportunity. Mm -hmm. As such, early experiences are, as, are an important public health issue. Much of the foundational research in this area has been referred to as adverse childhood experiences, also known as ACEs. So these um, adverse childhood experiences have been linked to risky health behaviors, chronic health conditions, mm -hmm. low life potential, and early death. Mm. So as the, as the number of ACEs increases, so does the risk for these outcomes. Um, and, and, and they don't have it listed here, but um, based on my understanding is ACEs, you know, adverse childhood experiences can be a parent who is alcoholic, enduring right. uh, uh, the divorce of, mm -hmm. of your parents, um, you know, abuse, you know, so things that have, ex yes. you know, these, all of these things um, can impact. And, and I know it sounds, you know, like, oh, well, duh, common sense, but what they're saying Thing, if from the standpoint of this being a public health issue, is mm -hmm. if we can get and you know resolve those issues, address it, maybe not eliminate the adverse experience, but be able to address that experience, it's pretty much in the same way the other article talked about racial related trauma mm -hmm. experiences, mm -hmm. we can do a lot for how these um, individuals develop into adulthood and what they and even as adults. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. I, I do a lot of trainings for uh, foster care and uh, uh, adoption agencies. And that's some of the things that I usually address in the trainings because when we're looking at foster care children, many of them have suffered traumatic experiences. They've suffered abandonment. They've mm. suffered neglect. And so what are some things that you can do as a foster parent right. to start working with this child and helping this child to move past, not necessarily forget, mm -hmm. but how can they use those experiences at all. Well, and, and, and to the point of the lenses that we talked about earlier, you know, when we're talking about racial trauma and, and it really impacts our worldview. And mm -hmm. so the lenses that we put on, this is how we now see the world. And I think that ACEs can be, you know, can have that same impact. Mm -hmm. One of the examples, the lady in the, um, and I'm so sorry that I, I don't have her name up right now, um, it brought up in that, in that TED talk was that, um, and she's a medical doctor mm -hmm. and what she was saying, she was saying that therapists get it, but medical doctors need to get it because uh. when they're treating a child or they're treating somebody with a different health issues, if they can understand how the, the connection between those health issues mm -hmm. and their ACEs, it's going to make a difference. So she said, there's a part of the brain that signals if a bear is coming, there's a bear coming, there's a bear coming, right. and you know, and, and the stressors like fight are or triggered. Fight. Like, you sure do. Mode. And that is going to impact the lenses that you see life through. That's it. Constant Ooh, anxiety. That was just mm -hmm. powerful. All right. Um, and I might post that TED Talk for you guys to see. Um, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and we're talking all things stress, burnout, all of this stuff. God, I hope this is helping you all out in some yeah, way. Let us form. know. Comment yes. and let us know. Comment. You know what I have not done is I have not given the phone number. If you guys want to call, <laughs> give us a call at 678-613-5857. You can also text that number if you want to tell us something via, you know, text. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm going to post that right now, 678-613-5857. Would love to hear your thoughts on um, anything, um, but I'm also taking comments.
comments on um, Facebook. Um, guest is, is Dr. Lucretia Izzard, and she's also known as Dr. Izzy. Um, so you know, definitely check her out. Um, what, but what I, one of the things I, I was talking about um, earlier was um, about my work-life balance mm -hmm. and how. So when I was, I think I had the worst work-life balance when I was married, mm -hmm. and I don't blame marriage for it by any means gotcha. at all. Um, but it was definitely a period of my life where I wasn't awake to it. I wasn't aware Trying of to adjust. Yeah, I was just, you know, mm -hmm. um, I was working on my doctoral. I was working full time. I had two kids. I was pregnant at some point in that doctoral program, mm -hmm. husband. Um, but I, I, I think I still could have maintained work life balance in all of that. Of so there are ways if you have a lot going on that doesn't automatically mean, well, that work life balance thing ain't for me. Mm -hmm. No, there are ways within that busy life because now I have three businesses. I have a full time mm -hmm. job. I have a radio show. I have two kids and I have much more balanced than I ever was mm -hmm. <laughs> in my earlier years. And I think that you have to be forceful about it. You, you right. know, you have to say, nope, this is the line and I'm not, I'm not crossing it. Boundaries. Boundaries. I will put things on my calendar that say it's some, some random thing, but I know what it is. It's my massage time. And, uh -huh. <laughs> and so when somebody calls and say, Hey, can I get an appointment with you yeah. on Wednesday at four? No, no, I got something at that time. Mm -hmm. And I know so many people who will say, well, I mean, I'm going to do just, it, you know, and mm -hmm. they'll do it. Don't do it. <laughs> no, that's not boundary setting. No, it's not. Boundary and setting is important because it's there to protect us. Yes. And it's also there to help us to achieve higher heights. Right. And so if we do not apply boundaries, we will suffer the cost, whether it Absolutely. is physically or whether it is mentally or whether it is emotionally. One thing you said earlier, and I said I'm going to come back to it, you were just reminded me, was um, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome. Yes, IBS. So I, I yes, I'm going there. So yes. I, the whole time I was married, mm -hmm. constipated, the whole time I was mm -hmm. married. Yeah. I did not know that people could be regular. Like, I forgot that there was a thing mm -hmm. called regular. Mm -hmm. um, and that was because my whole life I was like, was everything tense, was clenched. Stress. Everything, yes. I mean, hands, cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Everything clinched. And then it wasn't until I moved past that phase of my life. And again, right. I'm not blaming it on marriage, but once I realized I have to take care of myself, free flowing regularity people. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I was diagnosed with IBS at one well, I don't know if it was a diagnosis, but I think the doctor said, Well, I think this may be what you have. Mm -hmm. At no point did we ever talk about stress. Problem. I'm telling you, the moment that I transitioned out of marriage and into another phase of my life. Everything changed in terms of change. Yeah. So, and it is, it's, there is a connection. Yeah. And I think many people need to stay cognizant and aware that whatever pressures or challenges that are going on in their life mm -hmm. may very well be the result of what they're going through physically. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I've had, I mean, there are so, so many different physical problems that, that rose up in that time of my mm -hmm. life. Um, I did not know I had arthritis until that time <laughs> in my life. You know, I did not know right. I had this condition called Raynaud's where your fingers get really cold and numb, uh, mm. numb and they turn white. I didn't know that until that time period. I had mm -hmm. hot flashes and that, you know, people mm -hmm. were like, you ain't got no hot flashes. You're only 33. No, I really did have hot yeah. flashes. You know, and, you know and your body. all of those things ceased when I changed my life. Yes. So uh, I'm telling you. So self-care, self-care yeah. people. So all y'all telling me, you need to relax, y'all. I don't take no more than it. I'm telling you, somebody wants to make an appointment with me. It is hard pressed to get me to make two appointments in one day. Good for you. Good for you. I'm like, no, I already got somebody on Tuesday. Good for you. Good for you. So trust me. 
I know, I know what I'm, I know, I'm, I got this. Yes. We'll be right back. <laughs> And I'll tell you one other thing. Um, my cousin and I are very, very much connected um, or committed to work-life balance. Um, so we kind of had some, both of us had kind of a pretty challenging year last year. And we said, you know what? The, so that was going into 20, it's going into 2017. We said we are going to take a trip every single month. Now, I didn't mean we were going to the to Italy every no. month or to, you know, but a trip, even if it was a road trip, Just no matter what it was. Trip. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we, I think I might have missed one month, maybe. Oh. And so we made it happen. And I'm telling you, there's some airlines that got flights for $20. So, you know, yeah. it, for you know, so you, you can make it work. You, that might not be your specific plan, but whatever, make a plan. Yes. You know? And, yeah. And I think that's critical what you just said make a plan mm -hmm. write it down yes. allow it to be your goal and then okay, go ahead. <laughs> make a plan write it down and make sure that you follow it yeah and that's one of the pieces i think that has helped me maintain work whether it's three or whether it's eight mm -hmm. you know and i put them in order based upon priority right you know and i work through those tasks throughout that day and so that gives me my time management that I need to have. I'm laughing because my, my, my structure is based on inspiration, which is not good. I do not recommend that. <laughs> what do I feel inspired okay, to do right you're now? You're going to be in trouble. That's bad. Okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I love that. I think that's great. So that, that works out, and it helps to maintain, and it helps to balance, but it also helps me to reach a lot of goals. That's so good. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, we're going to get into the balance challenge. Keeping your balance with Dr. Pamela. Dr. Dr. Pamela. Okay, so as I said last week, this week's balance challenge is to say yes to what you want. Did I say last week? I meant last hour. <laughs> so yes to what you want and no to what you don't want. So let that pertain to what it needs to pertain to for you. If that means yes, I am going to take a trip every month. Or yes, I'm going to take a trip twice this year. Mm -hmm. Whatever you need to do that works for your life. It may not be a trip. You know, whatever it is, you know, right. so don't let me dictate what you do. Um, but that is my challenge to you. Did you have something? That's yeah, well, something. no, I was just thinking, too, about the other part of that um, exercise, uh, some type of way, you know, for that work-life balance. Because, mm -hmm. again, all of that included is going to help to stimulate you. It's going to help you feel good and going to help you to make those choices of saying yes, yes. and saying no. Right. I think sometimes we'll leave out, you know, that physical piece. Yes. Absolutely. But it's so, so important to help motivate you and help push you. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, that's my that's that's my challenge for you this week. I think, um, you know, you got to make it happen. So mm -hmm. so when all these people are like, oh, baby, you need to stop working so hard. And I'm like, well, I just got back from the Bahamas. I was on a cruise. chilling. No, it was three weeks after the cruise. Okay. So, yeah, but I was chilling, you know, and then that week prior, I was just laying around at my parents' house. So maybe <laughs> laying around is what makes me sick. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. 
But um, anyway, so no, I, 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 I just had to, you know, I always chuckle when people say that, but sometimes I'm like, look, y'all, please trust me. I'm yeah, oh, yeah. so good. Yeah, having a, a good schedule, uh, maintaining balance, you know, all of that is so important. And like you said, making sure massages, yes. you know, I incorporate. Massages. Especially balance. if you're, my physical, well, my love language is physical touch. So yeah. that helps me out a lot is yeah. getting massages, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're good for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't get them as often as most people, but I do make sure that I work them in at least three times a year. Yeah. So again, it's about what works for you. Right. But do know you need to incorporate some of yes, these things. You gotta have strategies for effective work-life balance. Yes. Correct. So be intentional about you know those kinds of strategies. So exactly. you know we have a little bit of um, time left, and I want to make sure that we can get your yes. you know how do we get in touch with. You? Website, um, of course, is easily to be accessed, and that is Shakana, which is S H E K N A H C T S dot com. I totally mispronounced that in the beginning. If that's Shakana C T S dot com. Again, it. my books; those are all available on Amazon. The ones we spoke about today was Faith Inspiration Coping Tools as well as Faith, Faith Inspiration Therapy. And then I also have a devotional which is Positive People Pray for those individuals that just want to come from a affirmations-based, prayer-based, and just understanding more about how affirmations and biblical scripture and biblical principles can help them to cope mm -hmm. with emotional healing as well as mental healing. And so those are all of my contacts, different things that I'm doing. Again, I'm training uh, on different mental health topics, on stress management, on burnout, on compassion fatigue, <laughs> all of these different areas, grief, just you name it. Mm. So definitely reach out to me, any agencies, anyone in need of training related to those areas. That's Again, so providing supervision, some supervision for counselors to become licensed as well. I do that via the web. Again, work-life balance. <laughs> Everything <laughs> yes. doesn't have to be face-to-face. -face. Georgia now terms that telemental health supervision. So those are some of my primary areas. And then, of course, teaching part-time and working as uh, writing in my spare time. So Okay, cool. Well, um, I believe we're going to break. Are we done today? I'm not sure. Break. So we're going to break. Stay with us. <laughs> Thank you. Probably a good time to wrap up the show because I feel like we conquered <laughs> I think we everything too. we sought out to conquer today. Now, I'm hoping that this information is helpful for people and that people... Yes. It, it's a matter of making the decision. Right. We've given the information. Right. So definitely being cognizant about this choice. Uh, because, again, it's going to make a difference in your life if you are willing to maintain work-life balance yes. so that you don't get to the place of being stressed out. and Unempathetic. Yes, <laughs> having a lack of empathy and getting to a place to where you are burnt out. It's going to be for your benefit. Yes. And I think, you know, just recapping and looking at some things, we just need to be mindful of what things will predispose us mm. uh, to stress, to burnout, to compassion fatigue. Like the ACEs, like racial trauma 
Yes, racial trauma, different things that we may have learned and internalized in childhood that is negative, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. and that is not necessarily for our benefit. Right. And then making sure that we seek out, you know, opportunities where we can be trained and learn about more effective things, more positive things, more inspirational things. But just being mindful that things that predispose us to stress and burnout, number one is poor health. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, we are in America. I spoke to an Asian lady one time, and she was letting me know that in Asia, they consider the American diet to be the sad diet. Mm. So we have to be mindful of the things that we're eating here in America. It's not necessarily the immune system, a plant-based diet. Baby steps. Focus on calming that mind, doing some things that you need to do so that you can rest. Yeah, so the, that means putting the phone down. Yes, it, putting the uh, tablet down, yeah, putting the Laptop down, yes. you know. <laughs> putting, uh, we didn't even address that. And uh, that put Fifty Shades of Grey down, right. you know, reading <laughs> right. that at night. Okay, so we do need to focus on getting rest yeah. because the body has to rejuvenate itself mm -hmm. so that it can function, Absolutely. you know, as you know it's been designed to do so. And then the That's last so piece is making sure your body gets activity. Mm -hmm. You know, again, we want to kind of leave that. Oh, I'm too busy. You know, I don't yeah. have time to work out. I don't have time to go to the gym. Okay, you're going to have to figure out at least 30 minutes a day. Yeah. That's 200 and that minutes a week. that can be sexual activity too, people. Well, that is physical <laughs> activity. It's exercise. I'm just saying. So those are some of the areas that, if we don't address, can predispose us to those I love things. it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank this you for so having great, me. Good information. And I thank you all for tuning in to the live exchange where we com exchange compelling dialogue around love, politics, and intellect. Join us next Thursday from 11 to 1 right here on the Sensation Station uh, where I'll be joined by Latasha Woodcock, an author, to discuss the purpose in our broken experiences. I'm Dr. Pamela. And remember, love yourself to life, dance confidently in the dark, and dream wildly unrealistic dreams. <laughs> Have a great week.